This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, November 28th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Ridgeway Housing Project hunkers down for the winter, Telluride Honors World AIDS Day, coffee, croissants, and cribbage, and a mountain weather forecast. Construction for Ridgeway's Wetterhorn neighborhood is hunkering down for the winter. We are just finishing uh, the basic kind of public infrastructure, which is what they generally call deep utilities, things like sewer, water, uh, storm drain. All of that goes deep in the, you know, in the ground to be you know, protected by freezing. And we're done with all of that and backfilling. So all the sewer, water, and, and storm drain kind of infrastructure is in. And then, then you're ready to run lateral connections to the household lot or the house lots themselves. That's Paul Major with Rural Homes, an offshoot of the Telluride Foundation, working to build homes for sale for locals in the region. The Wetterhorn neighborhood will consist of 14 for sale homes for local residents in Ridgeway. It's on North Laura Street, so it's due north from sort of downtown Ridgeway, essentially a block from kind of, you know, two blocks from Main Street, a block from kind of the central business district. Uh, there will all be deed restricted homes, um, and it ranging from 1,000 square feet, two bedroom, two bath, up to 1,600 square feet three-bedroom, three-bath. Major says with the winter weather hopefully setting in, they're taking a pause on construction of the project with a plan to pick back up in February. Picking up will be sort of immediately pivoting to start to both finish the roads but also put in the foundations for the houses. And so what you really want to do is you don't want to pour concrete when it's really cold out because you have to heat the concrete to cure it properly. And that's just a waste. But he adds, while work on site will go into a brief hibernation, work on the homes themselves will continue. As we're pausing the construction on site, the homes are actually getting built in the factory. So unlike Norwood, which we had to wait for the houses to get done in the factory, the houses will be done uh, for Ridgeway right about the time we're done with the foundations. So it'll... It, it should sync up very nicely. Major notes all the work is done to help keep locals in the area. You know, the the bottom line is for most of us, our incomes, and even if we have good jobs, we cannot afford to buy a house. It's not an option to say, well, you, you can't have a house. It's not about having a house in Telluride. It's about having a house, period. And whether it's Norwood or Ridgeway or La Junta or Telluride, um, it's, it's the issue of our time. We've got to figure out how to solve it. Interested buyers can get more information on the project, review the deed qualifications, and sign up as an interested buyer at wetterhornhomesridgeway.co. Last year, approximately 650,000 people died from AIDS-related illnesses across the globe. That number is down from approximately 2 million at the peak of the global crisis in 2004. If you ask Jessica Galbo, that's something to honor and continue pushing. World AIDS Day is a day to remember. Um, It's also a day to celebrate the advances, but also not to forget that almost 700,000 people die every year from HIV and AIDS-related diseases, and um, there's still a lot of work to do.
Galbo is the executive director of the Telluride AIDS Benefit, a nonprofit working to stop the spread of HIV, securing the rights of those who live with HIV, reducing stigma, and educating future generations. The organization works locally and regionally. We provide education opportunities, events, and experiences for local high school youth. Um, and we take them to visit our frontline partners. And then we also partner with organizations locally, such as the medical center or the pharmacy, um, to provide free HIV testing, free and confidential HIV testing. Um, we have partnerships with all the regional medical facilities and compadre, um, also in Ridgeway. And then we also even have a reach over to Moab. Uh, Moab Free Health Clinic provides free HIV testing. They're the only location in their region, southern Utah. TAB also works to support frontline organizations working across the state. We partner with Colorado Health Network, Brother Jeff's Health Initiative, and mostly partnering on outreach events, education, um, some care at Children's Hospital as well for the for the um, uh, Children's Hospital Immunodeficiency Program. Um, our funds are unrestricted, so that funding can be used for people that need to to receive care at Children's Hospital. They can use it for bus fare, they can use it for lunch or child care. Um, so our funding for them is really important. Of course, many in Telluride know TAB from its annual fashion show extravaganza. This year, TAB is taking extra care to bring the whole community in. We wanted to have a community outreach event for people that maybe weren't um, sure how to get involved in TAB or if TAB was something that, that would work for them. So this Thursday, in honor of World AIDS Day, TAB is partnering with other local organizations to bring awareness and encourage the community to get involved. The standing of our, of our state and our town is really only as good as you know, the cultural events that are here. And this is one that um, there's so many different ways to get involved with. When we say model auditions, people shrink back sometimes and say, that's not for me. But really, every person who's ever said that, that I've convinced to come to the auditions is like, oh, it is for me. Like, this is really fun. It is a non-judgmental safe space where you can be yourself and, and explore this creative process. And you're doing good for you know, fellow members of your community and people across the state. There will be food and opportunity to meet with TAB staff and the board to learn more about the organization, along with resources from other community partners. San Miguel Resource Center is going to bring uh, some reps and we're also Angel Basket's food pantry. We'll have some information there. So just kind of a little awareness day. And, um, you know, we want to reach all the populations in our community. The TAB is for everyone event will take place at the Wilkinson Public Library on Thursday, December 1st from 5 to 7 p.m. Spanish interpretation will be available. By now, coffee croissants and cribbage is a staple at the Wilkinson Public Library. Each month, members of the community gather to play the card game, and with the next meeting just around the corner, we're rebroadcasting a story from the first ever Coffee Croissants and Cribbage, originally aired in April 2022. I have a pair for two, and then I have 15 for four. Sitting at a card table covered in a colorful tablecloth, Lauren De Mercado and Miranda Beck are playing cribbage. Four. Mm. Seven. It's a great game of uh, statistics and strategy. Cribbage, a card game dating back to the early 17th century, charges two players with playing a series of hands, scoring points by adding cards up to 15, finding pairs and runs. 
At four tables in the program room of the Wilkinson Public Library, eight members of the community are playing. In the corner of the room are coffee and croissants. I just felt like we needed more opportunities in this town to meet other people, especially during the last couple of years with COVID. You know, I think people weren't um, in a space where they could engage with other community members in a different way that wasn't a bar scene. Um, so I figured, let's try, let's try a morning program. Let's, you know, bring in some coffee and croissants and community <laughs> over cribbage. Jill Wilson is the public services manager at the library. Coffee, croissants, and cribbage is her brainchild. And it's been really cool to see different people engaging and meeting other community members that you wouldn't necessarily get to chat with. Wilson is playing with Bill Wentz. He comes equipped not only to play cribbage, but a brain full of jokes for the occasion. Old timer, he goes to the doctor. He says, Doc, I got the shakes. And the doctor says, do you drink a lot of coffee? He says, no, I, I spill most of it. Is that all right? Next to Wilson and Wentz, Mary Higgins and Percy Verdokas are playing for the first time. I'm so confused. There's so many rules. If the start card is a jack called two for his heels, the dealer automatically pegs two, scores two points. Slowly but surely, they catch on. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay, um, so I have eight. No, I don't have. I have seven, eight, nine. So I have that run. And then 15 with... Nine seven. No? Eight no? seven. Eight seven. Yeah. Thank you. Um and that's it. So you have fifteen two and a run for three makes five. Okay. Okay. And of course there's <laughs> joy in the moments where players add cards and collect points through a process okay. called pegging. Peg me. Right? Four on the board. <laughs> Four on the board, peg it. <laughs> I love this game. <laughs> um, I'm gonna just do nine. Back at Beck and Mercado's table. How are we doing over here? I'm doing great. Oh, are you? She's only about 10, 15 ahead of me, so I could easily catch up this round with all the fives I'm dealing to myself right now. Beck learned how to play cribbage during COVID lockdown. DeMarcado's been playing for almost 10 years. I love cribbage because it's just so wholesome and fun. And I've gotten better at math because of it. And it's something you can do with anyone, with... Older people, younger people, multi-generational, cross-generational, uh, it's uniting. Although a wholesome element doesn't keep players from getting competitive. Give me a crib, girl. Thank you. Try to make something out of that. I will. Miranda. I'm going to put that, I'm going to combine it with mine and it's going to be really good. Soon DeMarcado finishes the game with the exact correct number of points. Oh my god! 15, 2, 4, 6, 3 of a kind is 12. I think that's it. <laughs> for the win! Coffee, croissants, and cribbage is done for the morning, but don't you worry, it will be back next month with more caffeine, carbs, and wholesome competition. 27. Oh. Coffee, croissants, and cribbage will take place at the Wilkinson Public Library on Tuesday, November 29th at 10.30 a.m. Tis the season to be shopping, and the Telluride Arts Holiday Bazaar has you covered. 
The Arts Bazaar is a local tradition hosted by the Telluride Arts District in collaboration with the Wilkinson Public Library and the AHA School for the Arts. The event features handmade crafts, artisan jewelry, organic body products, gourmet food, ceramics, clothing, and more from artists and artisans around the region. The Arts Holiday Bazaar will take place December 3rd, 4th, and 5th at the AHA School for the Arts, the Wilkinson Public Library, and the Telluride Arts Headquarters. Colorado Parks and Wildlife have identified positive results for highly pathogenic avian influenza, or HPAI, in a number of snow geese in Morgan County. CPW in the area asks members of the public to assume any dead snow geese have the virus and not to touch the birds. CPW and the Colorado Department of Agriculture are investigating the outbreak. CPW notes, most wild birds that are infected do not show symptoms. However, HPAI can cause some birds to swim in circles, tilt their heads, and have a lack of coordination. Others will see a swelling in the head, moving slowly, respiratory signs, and not eating. Wild birds can spread HPAI to domestic poultry. It is very contagious and fatal. CBW says domestic flock owners should use biosecurity practices, monitor their flocks for illness, and report any suspicious disease to the state's veterinarian office. CBW adds hunters should take caution by not handling or eating sick game, field dressing their game, and taking health and safety measures while handling and cleaning game. In rare cases, HPAI can pass to humans. Hunters are advised to monitor their health for any flu-like symptoms within a week of handling birds and contact their health provider if symptoms arise. Republican U.S. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert says she's been unfairly blamed for another mass shooting in Colorado. Five people were killed and more injured in a shooting that occurred on November 19th at Club Q, an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado Springs. Boebert has tweeted anti-LGBTQ statements in the past, comparing gender-affirming health care for transgender kids to grooming and directing contempt towards kid-friendly drag shows in her district. Here's Bobert on One America News Network last week. It has to come to an end, this blame game. You know, I think the left is pissed that I won my election. So they're trying to find something to go after me uh, about. Um, you know, I expressed my concern for the family, for the victims, and the way that they came after me is absolutely disgusting. And, it, you know, we're all sick of this. Bobert doubled down in the interview, saying she was opposed to quote, grooming and the quote, sexualization of children that she says is happening through comprehensive sex education in schools. The Club Q shooter appeared in court for the first time last Wednesday. No charges have been filed yet, but prosecutors are advising five counts of first degree murder and five counts of bias motivated crime, Colorado's legal term for a hate crime. The court scheduled an in-person hearing for December 6th, but the defense asked for a sooner date. Last year, a number of residents were forced to leave their homes on the bank of the Colorado River in Utah after a developer purchased the land. That included one man living in a cave. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KZMU's Justin Higginbottom visited the spot to learn more about this uniquely Moab former residence. If you drove down Cane Creek Boulevard over the weekend, you might have seen signs for a cave sale. It's what it sounds like, a very Moab take on your weekend yard sale. The caves on the bank of this stretch of the Colorado River have drawn drivers' eyes from the dramatic canyon walls for decades. 
They're a quirky part of Moab's history, or at least used to be. Anne Walden's family last owned this land. She's guiding a trickle of visitors through the property and retelling some of that history. We had 3,000 chickens in here, and we supplied the town with the eggs. Walden's family sold their farm in Illinois and came to Moab in the early 70s. They bought this stretch of canyon country, which already included the cave complex. uh, My dad and I came out here one winter, and he came down here and he says, this has always been my dream. The previous owner built the caves in the 50s and used them to store chickens. It was cool in the blistering summer and warm in the biting winters. Overhead lights would dim at night so the chickens could rest. Everything was, the temperature was so nice for these chickens. I mean, it was, it was great for them. Walden's family took over the business, providing fresh eggs to grocery stores and restaurants. People would buy the chicken droppings, which seemed to pile up as fast as you could shovel it, for fertilizer. And the kids all had a role in the operation. It was Walden's job to primarily collect the eggs. This here was uh, my washroom here. I had a, a tank here where I, uh, I had soap I put in, and then I had baskets. I had like a grocery She's cart. walking me through the cave. Would, uh, After a couple small rooms in the front, it opens up into a space about the size of a basketball court with exposed jagged white rock walls. I'd go through here on these little pads with a grocery cart, and I'd have my baskets. And I'd grab the basket and put it up, and I'd gently grab the eggs and put them into the basket. And then I get that one full and I put it down and, and as soon as I get enough in, I go into the washroom, wash them and then put them out there for my sisters to do the cannoli. My brother and my mother deliver the eggs. It may have been her father's dream, but to Walden, it wasn't the best gig as a teenager. I had a, a raincoat, rubber boots, and a shower cap and a paper mask to wear when I come in. <laughs> It stunk. <laughs> yeah, I always tell people, I says, no wonder I never had no friends in high school. I stunk <laughs> like a chicken, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we had we have our memories with it. We had uh, we only had one chicken that was mean, and she was always at the very end on the other side. And every time we'd come down, you know, I get tried to get the eggs. She'd stick her head out and she'd try to peck you. Okay, my brother. She pecked him, and he took the, the feeding deal and opened the cage and knocked her out. Well, that didn't help matters because she got worse. She, so the next time we go, she got where, you know, it quieted her for about a couple days. After that, she got even worse. And mean so, chicken. yeah, mean chicken. You want to sell that meal water or you keep it at No, I'm, no I'm selling that. Are you? Yeah. yeah I, I'm selling anything I can say. All right. So if you know anybody wants a meal barn, that's, that's that. wood burned in. Is that? Yes. That's pretty cool. And if you look at it, in fact, I'm the artist. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yeah. You see my initials right here? Oh, yes. And I did it in 2015. And that's all been wood burned in. Oh, that is cool. It took me a lot of time and work to do that. I bet it did. In the mid-70s, Walden's family quit the chicken business. And the cave became sort of a storage area. There's engine parts, cans of paint, some green office chairs from the 70s. In the back, there's a piano, $50 or your best offer. Everything needs to go. Whatever's left will be tossed out. Walden says she'll be glad to be rid of all the stuff in here. 
but this cave also holds some nostalgia. He was always trying to, my brother Ed was always trying to get out of uh, his job in some way. One, one morning when he was at breakfast and he goes, Mom, he says, Ann's going to have to do my job. And he goes, I had a horrible dream last night. And we're sitting there going, I says, I'm not doing your job. I got this and this, you know. And, and he goes, but you got to. And I go, well, why? Mom asked him too, you know. And he goes, well, you know that one mean chicken down on the other end? And we go, well, yeah. And he says, she popped her head up over out of the cage. She hollered out to the rest of the girls. And she says, okay, girls, at the count of 10, we open our cages and we get him. And he says, Mom, they started counting down. And he says, they opened their cages and they chased me all the way into town and they got big. They got big. They weren't little chickens anymore. And I go, oh no, Ed, you're doing your job. <laughs> Developers recently bought this land. They're building a neighborhood of vacation homes near the property. There was a man renting this cave and living in it for a time. There were others in tracked homes down the road, hugging the canyon's walls. They were all kicked out. It's unclear what will happen to the caves now, but it's unlikely those plans will include chickens. Justin Higginbottom, Rocky Mountain Community Radio. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low around 15 degrees. 3 to 5 inches of snow accumulation is possible. Thursday, there's a 100% chance of snow showers during the day and mostly clear skies at night. The high is around 20 degrees with a low around 5. 2 to 4 inches of snow accumulation is possible. Wednesday should be sunny with a high near 40. Wednesday night calls for mostly clear skies with a low around 20 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, November 28th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. You are listening to a little bit of our upcoming Winter Sing 2022. The concerts are Friday, December 9th at 7 o'clock and Sunday, December 11th at 4, both at the acoustically beautiful Christ Church. Our artistic director, Hal Adler, has prepared the adult chorale with wonderful music featuring holiday songs from around the world. The pieces range from the shimmering and reflective Oculi Omnium to the big celebratory Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. And what's different this year and exciting is that we will have a few audience sing-alongs planned, especially the Handel's Hallelujah, where you'll have music in Hal's direction. The program also will include the audience holding candles while joining children and adults singing a few traditional carols. Our new youth director, Liz Forsyth, is excited to have the children's choir perform by themselves and also with the adult chorale. It's truly a collaborative community effort 
that the Telluride Choral Society is proud to present to you. And our Susan Ensor, pianist, will be accompanying us on several pieces. Once again, the Winter Sing performances will take place on Friday, December 9th at 7 and Sunday, December 11th at 4, both at Christ Church. Tickets are $20 for adults and $10 for students and children, and they're available at the door. The concert length is approximately an hour. Hope to see you there. This is Ginny Fraser with the Choral Society, and thank you, Kodo. For more information, contact Sandy McLaughlin, our board president, at 519-0081 and Susan V. Brock's site, Telluride Inside and Out. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.